Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 30. Let's have some fun. Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. One of the most important of all tasks we perform as architects is project management. The success of each project sits squarely in our hands. If managed poorly, a single project may set our progress back for years. If managed well, it may just take us to great heights. This week on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I will share my 10 rules to project management success. But before we start with this week's topic, I want to share a couple of thoughts. Last week's podcast was awesome. Well, not necessarily the podcast itself. I thought that was pretty good too. But the response to last week's podcast was outstanding. The, uh, the, the podcast was called BIM Sanity. And I asked the question, is AutoCAD LT a better choice for small firm architects? And boy, did you guys respond if you want to see their comments, go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 29. Essentially, the comments have become the ultimate guide to architectural software for small firms. I had uh, currently, I just checked, I have 21 comments and they're, they're keep rolling in. 
And then they're, and, and they're not just quick little comments. They're very thoughtful and developed responses to my question regarding AutoCAD LT versus BIM. Listeners posted uh, in support of so many different options, including AutoCAD, AutoCAD LT, Revit, Revit LT, Vectorworks, SketchUp, SoftPlan, FormZ, Chief Architect, everything that you can think of. They have uh, comments there, and they're and they're long, thoughtful comments. And I appreciate everybody's uh, response there and the information that you shared. If you're interested in learning more about the different choices of um, software for architects, uh, I highly recommend that you go visit that post if you haven't. And if you uh, if you haven't yet given your opinion and you have an opinion on AutoCAD versus BIM, please go over to the post for the the episode at entrearchitect.com slash episode 29 and leave your thoughts. Next, I just want to mention this week's blog post article, Business Basics for Architects, uh, Gross Income versus Net Income. And it's the first in a series of posts, which I'll occasionally uh, put up on the blog. I don't know what my schedule will be yet, uh, but occasionally I'm going to focus on the very basics of business success. And this week I talk about uh, gross income versus net, net income. It's one of those things that I've always mixed up and didn't quite know and understand uh, until I looked into it and understood it for my business years ago. So um, what's the difference and why it's important is something that we should know, uh, why it's important to know the difference between net income and gross income. So uh, I'd also love to know what some other basics that you have that you'd like me to cover. Uh, if you visit the post at entrearchitect.com slash net income and leave a comment there, uh, I will um, add that to the list of business basics that I'll cover. So let's get into this week's topic. I've been continuously improving my firm's project management systems since we launched FiveCat Studio back in 1999. And with each new project, I learn more and I modify the systems we follow. So here are my 10 rules for better project management. Number one, create systems for success. Systems are the sound structure of a successful architecture firm. They establish the discipline required for financial success, and they also create the freedom to develop a portfolio of very highly developed architecture. We create systems by breaking down our projects into many separate processes. Every firm with any experience has many of these processes already in place. They may be documented as formal systems, or they may be just general understandings of how we do it here. When a process is fully developed into a system with supporting documents of forms and checklists, it allows us to focus more on the details and develop a successful design. Systems allow us to be better architects. Number two, know what they want as well as what they don't want. When we, when we receive a contract for a new project, we all want to jump right into designing. It's our nature as architects to want to solve the problems before us. The most successful projects, though, are the ones where we fully understand the people living and working within the architecture we design. Before we grab the roll of trace and start sketching with a Sharpie, we gather as much information about the users of our buildings as possible. We learn about not only what they expect from us, which may be very different from what they should expect, but we also learn about the people who they are and 
what their personal tastes and are and their styles. What are their passions and their hobbies? Where do they go on vacation? What are their favorite places? What do they like? And, and more importantly, what they don't like. With a full understanding of the people using our buildings, we can better manage the process and develop a project that exceeds their expectations. Number three, listen and listen carefully. I tell clients that we could design a successful project with nothing more than a scope of work and a site plan. And this is true, but it's only after listening to our clients' hopes and dreams that we can take our project to its absolute pinnacle. When we listen carefully throughout the project, our clients and our contractors will guide us to success. The problems that may derail a project and possibly become a liability nightmare will come to light way before they become a problem. And when we are listening carefully, people will tell us what we, all, what we need to know. So number four. Number four is estimate often. The quickest way to an unhappy client is to design a project beyond their budget. And although our agreement requires that project bu budget be the responsibility of the client, we assist our clients and manage their budget, budget throughout the entire process. I begin by asking them for their expected budget at our very first meeting. This allows me to discuss the realities of their project costs and give them some rules of thumb numbers that can help them adjust their budget or their expectations accordingly. I ask them again to state their expected budget as part of my pre-designed client questionnaire to confirm their expectations in writing. And then we prepare schematic designs based on those expectations. And when, when we present our schematic designs, we prepare rough cost estimates based on cost per square foot. And we attach them to each scheme. And after a few squeak, squeaks, after a few tweaks and revisions, they pick a scheme and we recommend that a general contractor prepare a third party independent cost estimate, which is typically based on market prices and is more accurate than our rough numbers. With a signed authorization form approving the schematic design and its associated cost, we then proceed with the remaining phases. And we revisit the cost with any changes in scope and again following design development. This continuous reminder of the project cost keeps expectations clear and clients happy. Okay, number five. This is an important one, guys. Don't give your services away. Before we start any project at 5Cat Studio, we spend a day documenting the existing conditions of a project site. Most of our projects are additions and alterations, and we need a very complete set of documents in which to base our designs. Most of our municipalities that we work in require a complete floor plan uh, for a building permit in order for them to confirm that the project is in full compliance with town zoning and building codes. Don't give your services away. Be clear what scope is included in your base services and more importantly, what is not included. At 5CAT Studio, we charge additional for preparing addition, uh, the existing conditions documents and clients are happy to pay for those services. Provide a list of additional services offered and a clear description of how you will get paid for those services. Many firms, in order to keep clients happy, will provide additional services for free. With clear boundaries set 
and, and expectations that additional services are in fact additional, clients will be happy to pay you for those services. When you're paid adequately for your services, your business will become healthier and your clients will be happier. Number six, manage expectations and keep them informed. Clients have a story in their minds. It's written by HGTV reality television and often inaccurate anecdotes from friends and relatives. From our very first meeting, we need to start rewriting that story. We provide each client with a complete written description of each phase and an estimated timeline for when each will occur. Every meeting is followed up with written minutes. We describe what was discussed and inform them of what should be next expected. When clients know what to expect, they are better clients and projects are more successful. Number seven, build rapport with the contractor. During the bidding phase, I meet with each contractor at the job site and review the project in detail. When I meet a new contractor, most speak with authority and position themselves in a very defensive stance. Most will tell me how long they've been in business and how many happy clients they have. I've been doing this for 25 years. This is the phrase or one similar that immediately tells me that I'm not working with a team player because it's usually followed up with, I know what I'm doing. The truth is I've been doing this for much longer than that. I've grown up on construction sites, worked with contractors before and during architecture school, and I'm currently celebrating my 21st year in the architectural profession. So I know what I'm talking about too, but I don't say that. What I do is give the contractor lots of respect and I listen carefully to what he or she is saying. I quickly build a rapport with them. From the many years of living and working with contractors, I know well how they think and their opinions of architects. I defer to their experience and show them my respect. Most contractors do, in fact, have lots to teach us about construction, and I let them know that I value their opinions, and they quickly learn that I am not an obstacle to overcome, but a teammate with whom to align. Number eight, always provide construction administration. The most crucial phase of any architectural project is construction. Most of the earlier phases are built upon an excitement of what can be. When things get real, all that you worked for can be wasted. Architects must provide construction administration services. This is not an optional phase in my opinion. It is during construction administration when we confirm that our designs are executed as per our intention and as per our client's expectations. If we're not actively involved during construction, we become an easy target when unexpected and unforeseen conditions arise. Rather than managing the process and quickly resolving the issues and reinforcing our value, we become the scapegoat for contractors. Every issue, issue becomes the fault of the architect and we lose the relationship, authority, and credibility that we so arduously earned during the earlier phases. I'll say it again always provide construction administration. Number nine, have the courage to act. Most problems during a project can be solved before they become crises. 
If we've been involved in the process and we've been listening well, the problems will announce themselves. We must act upon them early, bring them to light as soon as they appear, and work as a team to resolve them quickly. Most problems will not resolve themselves. Ignoring them in order to avoid the conflict will only allow the problems to grow and become a much more difficult issue to manage. Anticipate the problems, seek them out, and solve them. Have the courage to act, and your projects will proceed with success. Okay, so here we are, number 10. Follow up with clients and bring a gift. It's important to follow up after the project is complete and confirm that our client is happy because our success is based on their satisfaction and their willingness to spread the word about our fantastic project management skills. When the project is complete and they've been living in the space for a few weeks, we schedule a visit. We make it quick, we bring a thoughtful gift, and we have them show us around. We let them point out all the great things that we've designed for them and how these spaces will change their lives. And we enjoy that moment because that moment, that's what we've been working for. A happy client, proud of the space we designed. This visit reinforces our relationship with our client. It's a great final impression and it provides a story for them to tell their friends when showing off their new space. It also gives us an opportunity to address any unresolved issues with the project or with the contractor or with us or our firm. I always ask for feedback. How did we do and how might we improve? This is how we continuously improve our systems. So I have one more. Bonus rule. Rule number 11. Photograph your work. And this might sound obvious, might sound part of Uh, that it should be part of marketing, and in fact it is, but it's also a very important part of project management. A few months after completion, when the leaves are green and the spaces are furnished, we schedule a day to visit with our photographer. Shooting professional photos shows our clients that we are proud of their project and we want to show it off to the world. The photos are great for our portfolio and for sharing on social media. And we often send these photos along with a great story about the project to our local magazines and newspaper editors. Editors are always looking for inspiring stories and the photos are incentives for them to proceed with publication. So that's number 11. So there are my 11 rules for project management success. Let me quickly review them for you. Number one, create systems. Number two, know what they want as well as what they don't want. Number three, listen carefully. Number four, estimate and estimate often. Number five, don't give your services away. Number six, manage expectations and keep them informed. Number seven, build rapport with the contractor. Number eight, this is, this is my bug here. Always provide construction administration. You guys who are not providing construction administration, you are losing a tremendous opportunity to to keep clients happy. Number nine, have the courage to act. Number 10, follow up with clients and bring a gift. And the bonus rule, photograph your work. So what are your rules for better project management? Do you have any thoughts of things that I did not cover? Anything to add that that, uh, that you wanna share? 
I would love to start a discussion over at the blog like we did last week. Go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 30, episode 30, and leave a comment. And this podcast is just, just to get the ball rolling. The real information is found over at the blog when listeners like you share your thoughts. So I'll see you over there. Before I wrap up here, I want to let you know that I will soon have a very important announcement about the first session of Entree Architect Academy, the online business training course for architects. The first session will not be announced to the general public. Did you hear that? It's not going to be announced on Twitter or Facebook. It's only going to be announced on the Academy mailing list and space is going to be limited. So if you want to to be notified with details of the first session of Entree Architect Academy, go to entrearchitect.com slash courses, sign up, join that list, and you will have an opportunity to enroll for session number one. And I also want to remind you to leave a review or a rating at iTunes, entrearchitect.com slash iTunes. We'll send you right there to my iTunes page on the web. Just click the button that is labeled view in iTunes and that will open up your iTunes app or you can just open up your iTunes app and search for Entrepreneur Architect. And there on iTunes, you can leave your review for the show. And I'd love to know what you think of the show. The show, So please go do that right now because the episode's over and you can click on entrearchitect.com slash iTunes and go let me know what you think. So that's a wrap. Until next week, my name is Mark R. LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. Thank you very much for listening. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything i'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well we'll buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical season one featured founders jeffrey lexi and chris owners of level studio architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio one evening stumbled into one last dive we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys.
oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.